It was his lucky fin, his left fin. I get where you're coming from here, but Nemo was just always a shitty character. Well, I respectfully decline, but enough diddly and Let's get to the actual professional podcast. I'm Fish Likes, the host of the Codcast podcast, and I'm joined with Carpy Carp. It's me, Carpy Carp, your guy that loves fish. Also joined with us, we've got Legs Fish. Hey, it's me, Legs Fish, the legest fish. So, Carpy Carp, explain why you brought your parents onto the Codcast. Well, you know, uh, my parents have always supported me doing something that I'm passionate about. And so when they heard that I was, first of all, getting together with my closest friends and starting a podcast about fish, my favorite subject, they were just ecstatic to come on. I love you, Carpy Carp. I'm so proud of you. I'm Mrs. Carp, by the way. Mamma mia, it's me, Mario Mario. That's my husband and Carpy's dad. So let's talk fish, everybody. Historical fish. Mamma mia. I've got a fish question for everyone. Let's hear it. What era do you think had the highest jumping fish? The highest jumping fish? Oh my. I think jumping fish were actually a new thing. So like Holocene era? Yeah, Holocene. Well, that's one vote for Holocene. Carpy Carp, what do you think has the most jumping fish? Um, so, I actually don't want to talk about this one because jumping fish are, it is a tricky subject in uh, fish, fishology right now. I've been going to college learning more about fish culture and jumping fish have actually come into controversy because it's maybe a little bit racist. Hey guys, it's me, Professor Phil, and I want to teach everyone about fish, everybody. Carpy Carp, you're my star pupil. You want to educate people on fish? That's what I do. Yeah, so the fish we're standing right now is the Megalodon, and he's a real special fish. Tell us about the Megalodon. Well, um, it's really just what it sounds like. It's a big shark. That didn't make sense, but, you know, you understand. It's a big shark... That comes from a, a while ago, went extinct, but it was said to be one of the fiercest predators known to man. Yeah, there's this scientist at the university, his name is like Fish Lawyer or something, he has a pet project, he's bringing back the Megalodon. Now that sounds absolutely crazy, but as a fish enthusiast, I sure would love to see that happen. Yeah, Fish Lawyer, he's the most successful lawyer of all time, he's patented these like fish bring her back to life things. It's all crazy. I'm glad to hear someone get so successful. How about you, Legsfish? We haven't heard too much from you yet. Hey, it's me, Legsfish. I'd like to introduce to the podcast Fish Lawyer. Hey, Fish Lawyer, I'm a big fan of your patterns. Uh, they're so expensive, though, but you're making them the big bucks, right? Yeah, I actually donate most of it to charity, though. That's amazing, man. Crazy strategy how you only invested in five patents, but they're so successful. Yeah, I mean, once I had the power to bring fish back from the dead, I was like, I think I can pretty much coast. And you did, in fact, do that. Yeah, you brought back, like, historical fish, and, like, it's so amazing how you're making fish, like, help children with special needs. It's quite impressive. I appreciate it. Thank you for, thank you for noticing my work. Hey, um, fish lawyer, I have a question for you. Yeah, what's the question? So, what school did you graduate from, law school? Uh, Harvard Law School. Harvard Law School, that's amazing. You know, it, you know, it's a tough school to get into. You, you make good use of your education. 
I uh, actually I got my ba- associates and bachelors from Squidward Community College, where I am on the Wall of Fame. Man, how'd you get in the Wall of Fame? Um, I ate well. If, interestingly enough, it didn't even have to do with any of my academic accomplishments. It was just because I ate the most uh, mac and cheese anyone's ever eaten there. Now that is quite an accomplishment. Yeah, they were just really happy that I ate it like a normal person and I didn't line them up in a line. I don't know why they were so excited like excited about that. This seems so very easy. Yeah, if you had lined up in a line, that definitely would have been like a demerit to your macaroni abilities, but instead you did amazingly as you've done with the rest of your life. It was pretty pretty fun. I, I like macaroni a lot, you know, and I just don't understand why anyone would line it up. <laughs> yeah, so it says here, Fishlord, you got the highest score on the bar exam. Yeah, I actually did so well on the bar exam, they named it after me, and so now it's called the Fish Lawyer exam. Holy shit, man. Like, you just lapped everyone at the bar exam Olympics. Yeah, they're actually starting a bar exam Olympics. Isn't it just the the bar exam? (laughs) No, that's a common misconception. The bar exam Olympics is is, a collection of athletic events, all, uh, you know, chess boxing? Yeah. Yeah, it's like that, except every sport is mixed with the bar exam. Hey, um, for listeners at home, how about you talk about what chess boxing is? Yeah, we don't want to make anyone lost. This is a professional podcast. Chess boxing is like where you play chess with someone and then intermittently you play you box them. Oh, uh, speaking of chess boxing, I got a guest star for you guys. Hey guys, it's me, Mrs. Anchovy. Pro professional fish boxer, and I'm super good at it. <laughs> Ask Mrs. me anything Anch- about chess boxing. Mrs. Anchovy, I saw you all over the TV as like the most famous chess boxer. And uh, what I have to ask is, what got you into chess boxing? Well, I gotta tell you, my my husband, Mr. Anchovy, he's he brought me into the sport. He was like, "Hey, you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> Feed our family." And, you know, I got into it, and it was, I was super good at it. That's amazing. I'm glad to hear you had natural talent and you honed your abilities. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, I gotta go now. I gotta go face off in the championship. <laughs> Who are you fighting? <laughs> oh, I'm fighting Zoro. We're a good sport. He's a, he's a super good boxer. And, um, you know, we're good friends. Wait, how are you in the same weight class? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just not good. <laughs> All right, bye, Mrs. Anchovy. Thank you for the guest appearance. See ya. Man, that that Mrs. and Mr. Anchovy sure sound like characters. I wonder what Mr. Anchovy's up to. I haven't met him though. Hey, it's me, Mr. Anchovy. <laughs> wow, what a coincidence! Oh my God, Mr. From? Anchovy! I saw you on the news. You're the first fish in space. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah, I I uh, brokered a deal actually with um the I don't know if you've heard of them, but they make uh, fax machines and printers. It's a company called Brother. Oh, Brother! Oh, I've heard of them, Brother. They're so successful. Yeah, yeah. I actually um I I the way I got into space was through them. You know, their space program is very successful right now. Why would they have a space program? The faxes and the they're trying to get their uh they're trying to be the first fax machine on the moon. Actually, that is wow. That is really impressive. Holy shit! That's so cool. Crazy how we got so many moon colonies and stuff like that. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's really quite impressive how far technology has progressed ever since uh fish. <laughs> yeah. I mean ever since they executed that guy named Bernard Lawrence, everything's just, just been going uphill from here. <laughs> yeah, wow, Bernard Lawrence really had a lot of issues. Yeah, glad they caught him before he can do any schemes or something. <laughs> he didn't even do the schemes and they still <laughs> <laughs> They still got him. But they they executed him? <laughs> they executed him. That's kind of fucked up. I don't know if I'm happy to hear about this. Whoa, wait. Um, I'm pretty sure the person in charge was a President Clamshell. Pres- oh, yeah, President Clamshell. He used to have the FBI and then became the president. He caught the Zodiac Killer? Twice? <laughs> Yeah, twice. What happened the first time? Did I let him go? <laughs> well, they actually found that the Zodiac Killer was this was two different people. One was the Chinese Zodiac Killer. Oh, interesting. Why would why would they be allowed to arrest the Chinese Zodiac Killer? Well, you know, he's been killing a lot. What? What kind of question was that? Well, like if it's like if he's in China, then like why would why would hey, they arrest hey, him? Hey, hey, hey. This is a podcast free of um racial statements like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. You know, I have no prejudice towards any race or species of animal, so I, I really hate to see I I hate that I came across that way. Tell us about that time you busted the KKK. You actually ended them. Yeah, so actually I was uh I, I volunteered at this local prison with some uh, fish enthusiasts, and we basically just taught the prison locale about fish. And one of the per- people there was actually the Grand Wizard, and I was able to teach him so benevolently about fish that he recognized the fact that there should never be any disparity between any species or race, and so he disbanded the KKK. Insane. Absolutely insane. You know, there's actually a guy or a fish that goes there and teaches all the all the people there. His name is Mr. Megalodon. Not sure if you've heard of him, but like I haven't heard of him, no. He's doing some great strides, man. He's helping like the prison community and helping like all the poor people out. Do you think we can get him on the podcast? Oh man, he's a busy guy. I don't know. He's filming this movie. It's called like Mr. Megalodon and like the early Holocene. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fish boy, you know, you know, uh, you know, Mr. Megalodon. Well, oh, yeah, I, I know Mr. Megalodon. I could probably call in a favor. See, I, um, I brought oh, him up. Oh, man, I'm such a big fan of his movies. Well, I would love to get the chance to talk to him, find out more about him. Yes, it's me, Mr. Megalodon. <laughs> Mr. Megalodon, I have a bunch of questions. I have a bunch of questions. Are they fish questions? Well, they're about your movie in uh, Mr. Megalodon and the Early Miocene. What was in the golden briefcase? You know, the one that shines the light? <laughs> Give me a second to think about that. Give me a second. It was actually a fish. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, that explains it. That explains the more of the movie. I'm guessing it was a goldfish, right? Yeah. Now, what was the symbolism when uh, Jerry the swordfish died on camera? What was the symbolism of that? guess that's up to interpretation. <laughs> ah, this guy's good. This guy's good. Well, Mr. Megalodon, do you have any fish questions for us? Would you like to know which fish was in the package? 
Yeah, sure. What fist was in it? Let me think about that. <laughs> well, you're a busy guy, Mr. Megalodon. You're a busy guy. Mr. Megalodon, I have a question. Uh, I don't. I haven't known you. I mean, I just met you here. But it seems to me that, like, from what I've heard, you've been doing great things for the people and uh, for our nation. Do you have any political uh, campaigns in mind? Do you have any ideas for government, public office? I support the Black Lives Matter movement. Of uh, course, that's what y'all do. Uh, let's see what else. Um, no, weren't you? Uh, weren't you had a PR at uh clamshell's uh presidency? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. I am. Uh, people say I have a uh, tendency to beacon. So, um, and yeah, uh, I uh, I do have a controversial uh political take. I don't know if this will work on the podcast. Uh, I would like to bring back the gold standard. Oh. So what are you talking about? The gold standard's been here for since uh '03. All right, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, like Mr. Megalodon, I'm glad that you are in support of uh, our old president Jerry G. Goldfish's uh, move to the gold standard. It's definitely, it's actually increased the economy so well. No one needs money anymore. Everyone's just so well off that nobody just nobody needs it anymore. You just you just do well. Yeah, post scarcity uh economy. Exactly. We don't know scarcity anymore because of Jerry G. Goldfish's actions. None of that would have been possible without the help of our Boy Scouts, who have taken quite a role in our, <laughs> in, our, in, our in our in our in our nation these days. Yeah, crazy how much of a role the Boy Scouts have. They're like, you know, they built that space elevator. <laughs> <laughs> Dave built the space elevator? Even I didn't know that. Yeah, they built it. It's the uh, Jerry G. Goldfish space elevator. Was it someone's Eagle Scout project? Yeah, it was someone's <laughs> Eagle Scout project, and they made it go to the moon, and they're actually hosting a dinner party soon. I mean, we should check that out. Oh, it's exciting. I hope that works well, who's out. The, who's, the, who's the chef for that one? Who's organizing it? Oh, they actually brought a fish back to life. His name is uh, Jimbo Megalodon, I think. Oh, wow. Mr. Beglund, do you know about this guy? Yeah, sure. I, I don't know that dude all that well. I, I, I knew him with Fish Lawyer, but I only knew him in passing. I'll ask Fish Lawyer, though. He might know. Hey, it's me, Fish Lawyer. Yeah, I got it. Hey, it's me, Jimbo Megalodon. Hey, Jimbo Megalodon, what are you cooking? Pussy. <laughs> Jimbo, uh, not joking around. I'm not joking. This is this is a family friendly podcast. Yeah, no, it's a delicacy. It's well vagina. Yeah, my mom and dad are on here, so please refrain from that. I've actually I've actually been raised in a way that like I don't I don't curse, so I I wouldn't impose that on you, but I personally would yeah, rather. Yeah, we're, we're accepting not. of um uh languages. No, uh, it's, it's actually uh it's I uh, it's actually a delicacy. It's well vagina. Oh, interesting. That's a oh, really interesting. Can you interesting... tell us about that? Why is it such a delicacy? Um, well, you got to kill a whole whale to get it, and it's a pretty small part of the whale overall. So, uh, it's a bit vulgar for our audiences, but you know, you can't you can't censor chef facts. Now, Jimbo Michael, I heard you were the first person on Earth to eat a get out break free fish without dying. Can you tell us how you cook that? Oh, right, the get out of brick feet free fish. Yes. Um, see, so a lot of people think that it's dangerous to eat. And if you eat it raw, it is. 
um, you actually have to reach inside and take out the brig sack, and then it's perfectly safe. Now let's let's get back to topic. Let's get back on topic, guys. Let's we talk need to go about back fish, to fish. Historical, yeah, historical fish, not just fish, but historical fish. What do you think the Egyptians thought about fish? I mean, they got the Nile, but like they live pretty inland. Did they think it was a delicacy? Because like I don't know, like what like a fish at the end of the Nile that like ate everything or something. Oh no, that was proven to be a myth. That was proven <laughs> to be a myth. <laughs> I know it wasn't actually there, but I'm saying that's what they thought of it. They're probably fearful of fish, yeah. Because I feel like for so I've actually researched this quite a bit on fish's roles in landlocked communities in the past. And the whole thing was fish were actually seen to be something to be feared. Because being in such quantities of water with so foreign concepts to these landlocked people that the idea of fish seemed absolutely vicious and, like, hardcore. And so a lot of bad, a lot of uh, mythologies portray fish to be the villains. Yeah, crazy how that happens, man. But, I mean, you love fish, right? I absolutely love fish. Ever since uh, when I was five, year old, five years old, my parents were saved by a fish. And uh, ever since then, I, I felt like I owed my life to fish kind, and so I devoted my life to it learning more, supporting the community, and eventually I got to the place where I am now, which is a world-renowned fish expert. Oh, I got something in the news that the the space ever was nearly about to break, but some, some Boy Scout saved it. His, his oh name was uh, Frankie Frogfish, <laughs> and he used his knot-tying skills to tie it back together. Whoa, oh my god. How did he... What component what of an elevator did he tie? Well, he tied the t- cable of the space elevator. He did it so well, man. I thought the cable was like steel cable. He managed to weld it back together. It was actually insane. Crazy how the Boy Scouts of America has helped our community. Pretty cool. Well, um, I, we gotta go back to Legfish, man. We uh, we kind of steamrolled over you with all these people, and I just want to get to get to know you better. What's what's been up in your world, Legfish? You've been my closest friend for a lot of years, so I want to just kind of catch up again. Man, it's been uh. Oh, weren't you close? Weren't you close to curing uh cancer recently? Oh yeah, I did. I did it. Yeah. Oh, you, oh, that's a that was, should have been like a thing that you mentioned, but awesome. Awesome, man. Wow. Man, it'd be a shame if like someone were to murder you or something, man. That would be really unfortunate. Well, no. Why would anybody? I think murder pretty much been outlawed at this point, so I should be good. <laughs> I don't know. Mur- like, when's the last time anyone that you know has like been murdered? It seems like such a, like a foreign concept. Yeah, let's not talk about murdering on this podcast. Like that, there's like no time for that in the fish podcast. You're right. Actually, fish do kill each other a lot. Like, I, I enjoy fish a lot, but murder is definitely a big thing for fish. Yeah, well, we're not talking about characters being murdered. That's just ridiculous, you know. No, I mean, of course. Can you could you possibly say I don't think a fish can commit murder because a murder implies premeditation. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in ancient Greek culture, fishing was actually like people thought that was a low social status, like a social thing. Like fish was usually for the peasants. Of course. That's whack. Yeah, that's pretty whack. It's like reverse now. Like you got like yeah. lobsters for the rich people. All that caviar. The issue is, you know, a lot of societies 
have a, histor- a history where fish and you know other minority groups are marginalized and uh, oppressed. Wait, and to now, fish a minority group. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like fish in relation to like the Greek Empire. It, they were they're definitely minorities. Yeah, I mean. Looking at the weird-looking fish, they look so weird compared to, like, the civilized, quote-quote, land animal. Hey, come on, man. Well, no, these are ancient thoughts that the Greeks thought. Of course, yeah. These are reflective of my opinions. I love fish, all right? No, and that's the thing, is that, like, these, like, not many people consciously think like this anymore, but the system has evolved around these sort of thoughts, and so fish are automatically disadvantaged in the opportunities that they have in today's society, so... I think it's important that we bring awareness about fish and try to bolster their community so they can have just as much of an equal chance of succeeding as the rest of us. That's true. I mean, judging from a Greek's point of view, you'd think these squids look pretty weird, given to the peasants. And that's that's what I think, why the Greek community looks so much down on the fish. It's it's quite a tragedy. Well, I mean, I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that we're all in accordance about you know, enjoying fish. We're all in great places in our lives. You know, I have my mom and my dad here who uh, they're they're taking a back seat to let me do my thing. But all in all, I feel like this is a, the start of something amazing, guys. This uh, this first episode of this podcast is going to be the start of something great. Anyone want to say anything about historical fish before we move on to our next topic? Um, I have a historical fish question for you guys. Yeah, let's hear it. So, um. Through my research, I found that a lot of the fish facts that we have are proven incorrect a lot of the times because we find new information about fossil records and, you know, the dating technology that we use, carbon dating changing constantly. And what I want to know is how, how much do you guys think we actually know about the history of fish versus what we don't know yet? Well, you know, scientists have only discovered 15% of the oceans, like, floor so like probably not much we don't know that many fish there's probably a lot of fish out there and we only know the history of fish in relation to humans we don't know what accomplishments fish have done in like i don't know the past two thousand years and i feel like that's that's an issue that is a hundred percent an issue because we cannot we cannot just jump to conclusions based on our human perspective when in reality fish have been here for so much longer than us yeah if a lot of cultures respect their ancestors as wise, and in that case, we should respect fish for being the wisest. All right, well, uh, fish legs taken away to the next... Actually, fish legs, talk about yourself. You haven't talked about yourself too much. How have you oh, been doing? myself, yeah. I mean, I have a son. He's he's a Boy Scout, of course. He helped with the Space Elevator Project. <laughs> and, you know, he's, he's been getting straight A's. You know, he actually, he's a star athlete. I gotta give it to him. Like, he's, he plays a lot of football. Maybe a little bit of clown football there and there, you know. <laughs> wow. And he's, he's the star quarterback. <laughs> in, this, in this amazing ideal world that we live in, it's, it's just it's cool that he, I guess he's disabled anymore. What, what are you talking about? No, no, I mean are like, Are you calling you know, my son disabled? No, no, I'm not calling your son disabled. What I mean is, why this, is it special that my son is not disabled? No, no, I'm saying that he has disability to play football a lot. Oh, I get. I don't get the disabled part, but I get disability. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, 
I like disabledity. I I pronounce. Well, speaking of football, how do you guys feel about the uh, clown NFL overtaking the NFL? <laughs> well, you know, I think people have put have predicted this for a while. Ever since uh, who is that? Who's that new star quarterback? The oh, one that won the, the clown. Dude, yeah, he scores like ten touchdowns a game, and that's clown football. Wait, yeah, clown football. That's a lot more rare than actual football. But yeah, you gotta watch yeah. out for the Z spots. <laughs> yeah, how do those clown football games get all those zombies? Where do they get them from? Oh uh, no, they're actually actors because zombies don't actually exist. You know, that's a uh, that's part of the clown display. They focus more on entertainment more than like raw skill. Of course, and that's why it's become so much more popular. Like the. Um... There was the XFL that tried to overtake the NFL a little bit by focusing more on entertainment, but they really just couldn't get their footing, whereas Clown NFL skyrocketed from the get-go and continues to maintain that growth. So I think this was a... It was unexpected at first, but now all I am is just happy that, you know, such a new and entertaining sport is overtaking the American public. Do you think that we could somehow talk to Carrie the Clown someday? He's a he's a big. He's character. pretty busy, man. He's you know. That's true. He's I mean, the number yeah, one ranked sports player in the world. Man. What is that? What is that? <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I could try to book him, but I have no connection to him, man. I mean, we can yeah, try calling no. him. He's pretty busy. Well, we had the um, we had we had another contact that uh that played football a lot. Right? Thing is that. Uh, the the guy from the book, right, Moby Dick. He, uh, oh, Moby Dick. Yeah, we, Moby we were talking Dick. to him about coming onto a future episode, and he said that he's he's a he's big on football, isn't he? Ah oh, man, I got some bad news for you. He actually died in the war. Fuck what? Yeah, he actually stopped the next Hitler. Whoa! Wow. He no. sacrificed himself, and he dropped on uh, the next Hitler. No, that is a cause worth dying for. I, uh, yeah. I 100% support his actions and respect the dead. All right, well, what was that next topic you wanted to talk about, uh, fish legs? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. How did, like, ancient people view, like, the weird fish? You know, like, the swordfish? Sure. So, the big thing about the weird fish, quote-unquote, is that they were actually seen as more mystical beings than, like, strange beings, because... You know, think about it from an ancient person's perspective. When you see, when they saw something that couldn't be explained through their normal logic, they explained it through mythology. And so these fish were ended up either being powerful deities or, you know, uh, temptresses and sirens. So no matter what the case was, it varied on society to society. These weird fish were always seen as powerful and mystical. When was swordfish released? Uh, what are you talking silly, about? Silly legs fish. Legs fish, this is no time for jokes. But, I mean, Polybius, the Greek historian, talked about swordfish. He actually hunted swordfish using a harpoon. So maybe they didn't think it was as weird. But, you know, a rarity, because he specified that the fish had a sword. So, you know, <laughs> they might have thought it was weird. How do you know it's not just a fish with an actual sword? What, what are you talking about? Legs fish, you're off your rocker. Billy likes fish. No, but I want to look over an, uh, an underrepresented part of history, the cod trade that lasted a thousand years, where the Vikings brought cod and traded with the Mediterranean people. And it was actually a vector for the Black Death. So, do you think, how important do you think cod is in history? Well, important, um, I guess. 
yeah, the the past of COD really has a lot around it because first of all, that Black Death thing was very huge, but also they they invented the rest of fish. The COD was the first fish, and uh, it, it it breeded went extinct and it came back later on. Not many people know this. Yeah, uh, there's actually a book by Mark Kalansky called "Cod: A Biography of Fish <laughs> That Changed the World." <laughs> oh, I've heard about that. You know, one thing I learned from that book is that they actually called cod British gold because cod was so sought out. Because you know, it only appeared in like the uh, the Arctic and like the upper region of Europe, and like the southern Europeans really wanted that. But like, what really made cod so appealing? Uh, cod was the staple of uh, the uh, medieval diet because they the Basques, they got them. That actually does make a lot of sense. And, you know, we do know that cod was the versatile meal. It had meat, it had vitamins, it had vegetables, it had fruits. Everything came with cod. Yeah, they also lasted much longer than most fish. That's true. When you dry it up, it just lasts for months, man. And that's really important for those, you know, famines that happened during the Black Death. There was actually a, um, there was a researcher a while ago that, uh, he, he was kind of undercover, but he was in a couple movies. His name was Alvin. And the thing about Alvin was no one actually knows. He went under a pen name, so no one actually knows who he was or what he looked like. But he had some fascinating theories on the, on the pacifism of the cod, and so... He was a pacifist himself, and I had, some people think he projected that onto CODs, but he has some great evidence to show that the, another reason why COD was so sought after was because they let themselves get caught in order to further all of the world. Do you guys remember the most violent moments of the 1990s? Why? What? Why are you bringing that up? Is that fish related? But, yeah, but when Shaquille O'Neal broke the bass, uh, the support system that held up the backboard, it's amazing that there was literally no violence in the nineties, and that is the most violent <laughs> moment of the night. That's a cool fact, but that's a little bit off topic. Let's go back to fish. You know what amazes me is how fast people figured out how to make fish hooks. You no, know, like forty thousand years ago, they found out how to make fish hooks, and that was like. Even before the wheel, it's actually kind of insane. I feel like it kind of makes sense. It's not that complex of a thing because you can basically, like, if you turn your finger into a hook, you can get in someone's mouth and fuck them up, you know? So I feel like someone probably figured out, oh, these fish are hard to grab with our hands, but maybe we could get their mouth. I mean, humans originate from, like, sub-Saharan Africa. Did they really encounter that many fish? Do they think to eat the fish? Because fish look so different well, compared to the land animals they usually eat. Sub-Saharan Africa was just a big fish all along. Uh, that's a bit unorthodox. Would you like to talk about that legs fish? Nope. Oh, okay. Well, Carpe, why <laughs> do you think they figured out hooks so fast? Well, uh, the thing about hooks was it was you know legs fish is sort of right. It is a very it's a pretty rudimentary concept in relation to humans. I didn't study human civilization too much, but what I will say is they did notice that there were fish that were caught, and they noticed that they had hooked teeth, more or less, and they mm-hmm. got the inspiration from other fish and then started fishing like that. So it really came from just a lucky draw of just getting a fish that happened to have hooked teeth and then changing from there. 
my question is, how do you guys think they figured out how to bait hooks? Do you think fish just kept eating our worms and we were like, ah, oh, this is annoying, and then eventually they figured out hook? Well, they actually used other fish at first to um, hook the fish. But, yeah, they probably figured out, maybe they saw, like, a worm, like, going across, like, the beach or something. Or maybe they were desperate for bait, and they were like, hey, we got some worms, and we can't eat worms. So might as well use the worms for bait. Cool. You know, they actually, harpoons were actually not discovered too long after. I mean, they discovered spears, and, you know. Yeah, um, you said fish, you said the fish hooks were 40 years ago, 40,000 years ago, but the earliest were 22 years ago. No, the source I'm looking at, fishing originates from 40,000 years ago, so... Well, that's just fishing. That's not the fish hook. Oh, then I guess they just use spears and they just punch the fish. Yeah, spear fishing, yeah. Thank you for cracking my sources, man. I mean, I didn't want to bring in, like, false information for the audience at home. It's okay. Everyone... No one no one on the podcast is ever mad about uh, being wrong or being corrected. It's a very welcoming and open environment. And Yeah. Yes, we're open to constructive criticism. Yes, thank you, Alexis. I have a question. Go ahead. Yeah, what is it? You know, of the four elements in Avatar The Last Airbender, water, fire, earth, and air, which do you think would be the best for fishing? Uh, most definitely water. Because, you know, as we all know, fish live in water. I mean, that's a silly question, Alexis. Fish. I disagree. Oh, man, always with your silly questions. I disagree. I think it's the air. Oh, why do you think it's the air? Tell us about that. You could create tornadoes above the water, <laughs> which would create water spout, which would throw many fish out of the water. Hmm, that's an interesting thought, man. What do you think, Carpy Carp? I mean, I would have to say that that makes complete sense, so I would have to also go with air. You know, I actually think cod was responsible for most of the events in the 20th century. Because the reason why England skyrocketed so much in, like, during the colonial times, during the 16th and 17th centuries, is because of their cod trade. They didn't really have to worry about food because they had so much goddamn cod that many of the cities were just dedicated to getting cod. And they didn't really have to worry about food, so they just colonized and stuff like so that. So was cod the potato of England? Oh, maybe. Would you like to elaborate? What do you think is the most important fish in human history? Um, I think we asked this question with the cod, but I would also say that the piranha was instrumental in uh, human history. And How it's, so? Yeah, why do you think that? It's the, uh, you see it in a lot of uh, recent media as like a one-off joke of, you know, the fish that bites people but what people don't actually realize was the piranha kind of set in stone the concept of the waters are not safe for people oh, it was that's um, true that like cut water related deaths in like in half exactly after the piranhas got a lot more media attention and the word started spreading it got people to not go in the water as much and because of that human on fish conflict really de-escalated so uh, the problem was instrumental in easing tensions between the two groups. So it's like mutually assured destruction. Yeah, basically. But the piranhas basically, it, it was it was sort of imagine like a cold war, except the except the fish won by introducing piranhas as a threat. I have a question. Go ahead. Let's hear it. Who do you think would win in a fight? One megalodon or one hundred thousand piranhas? 
Oh man, that's a tricky question. Well, I guess consider one hundred thousand is a really big number. Um, it's a big number, yeah. The the issue is the only way that the piranhas could win is either by choking the megalodon or suffocating it. Because their teeth are not sharp enough to even pierce the megalodon skin. So if they wanted to win, it would have to be through suffocation or choking. So if the megalodon decided to be able to eat them properly and digest them, then that would be the megalodon, no matter what the amount of piranhas are. What if they went through and through the ass and then like expanded outwards? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Watch your language. This is family. <laughs> but I just want to point out that piranhas are actually really big compared to what they're portrayed in the media. They're actually 20 inches. Oh, yeah. They're, they're much bigger than what people yeah, think about. they're much bigger. And I, that's why I think they can definitely take on the Megalodon. Because 100,000 of these guys... That's 100,000 inches worth. Yeah. <laughs> you're thinking about size. But what you're not thinking about is like their actual damage capacity. No, but they can just surround it, man. I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. Suffocation. One paper cut isn't going to kill me. But if I get enough paper cuts, like 100,000 worth... Dude, that's gonna be some problems, man. That's gonna cause but some problems. That, that's that's my whole point is the fact that the, the 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 piranhas can't even make that those paper cuts, no matter how much they are. Like they, you can just try to suffocate a megalodon, but that would have to be by just going into its gills. And piranhas don't really have that sort of conscious thought. If they're fighting a megalodon, their 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 attack strategy is very headstrong, go in, bite. So, oh, but they there's not... one thing you're not considering, and. Not many piranhas would like heavily restrict the megalodon's movements. I don't think he can swim well at all. The force of a megalodon is definitely more than like uh than like piranhas, even if they're swimming the opposite direction. Yeah, you're underestimating just how powerful a megalodon really was. It's it's easy to be like you know oh everyone says that megalodons were like super powerful, but in reality they probably weren't that powerful. They aren't really that overrated. They really were like apex when it came to size and strength and their only issue was that they required a lot of uh, energy and food to keep alive but apart from that they were literally completely powerful so i think that the megalodon would win unless the piranhas accidentally went into the megalodon skills well i did my research on this topic and i have to respectfully disagree because there's actually a historical story of where Theodore Roosevelt went to the Amazon and pushed a cow into the water. And the cow was just torn apart by the hungry piranhas, man. And that, was, that wasn't even close to 100,000 piranhas. Yeah, but again, the, uh, a muscle, like the, the muscle and like skin and fur of a cow is so much less sturdy and like, be, like able to take hits than a megalodon skin and blubber. It, like, a megalodon is much tougher. Like, you're thinking of it in terms of quantity. If you said like 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 a hundred thousand piranhas that had like a bite a biting strength, like a jaw strength, like maybe fifty times of its normal, then I would say the piranhas win. But a normal piranha, no matter how many, just simply cannot pierce a megalodon's skin through biting. Okay, well that's true. That's true. From a force perspective, it's probably gonna have some trouble. But think about the Mo's hardness index, right? You know how like something harder is always going to yeah, be yeah. If they're all just scratching and frictioning away at it, they might be able to wear that scales down. That is true. They definitely would be able to maybe wear it through uh, the friction of just their teeth scraping at it. But 
What you also should consider is the fact that, like, Megalodons are still completely strong and completely, like, they, they move. So, with Piranhas swarming the Megalodon, they could get through to its skin, but it would be a time game, and the Piranhas would not have time on their side, because at the end of the day, Megalodon's mouth and jaw reach is immense. And so with the power of its tail being able to just, you know, push through any swarm that's trying to hold it back, it could just plow through the cloud of piranhas. I would say a few very strong fish have a much better chance of killing a Megalodon than a lot of small fish. Because the Megalodon is basically built to be able to kill a lot of small fish. Yeah, well, I got one thing for you. Exhaustion. The Megalodon is actually not that good at stamina. And if it has to fight a hundred thousand of these guys, it's gonna get really tired really fast. Um, you're not oh you're that is true, but you're also not thinking of the blood frenzy. As soon as the Megalodon opens its mouth, it's already immediately going to eat a lot of fish. Um even for a megalodon, this is an immense meal. So once that blood is in the water you know, the Megalodon would go into a blood-frenzied mode, and so their normal stamina of just being able to swim is, or like dash while swimming is uh, pretty low, but any sort of shark when exposed to blood, or just when they see a source of great food or great prey, they will go into a mode that goes beyond it. It's like an adrenaline rush for humans. Yeah, as, more, as I'm researching this more and more, I'm realizing that megalodons are actually pretty smart. So megalodons can actually hunt whales and other sharks because they target the heart and lungs. Exactly. They actually know where these are, which is pretty smart. The megalodons have an innate intelligence that would also let it be able to have a, uh, a sort of battle plan against piranhas. Piranhas are relatively not very smart. They are strategies swarm. So... If a Megalodon is able to pick the right places to break through that swarm and kind of collapse collapse the swarm inwards, it could easily uh, cause a lot of dysfunction within the group. And you also no, think about the. I don't think you're considering how big a hundred thousand is. A hundred thousand is big. That is big. That's that's actually like one thousandth of the total Boy Scout number. <laughs> the, the, thing, yeah. the the thing about thinking about it in terms of just size though is again you know you're you're thinking about it in terms of size but the the biting of like just because there's so many of them doesn't mean that they're gonna bite through like quicker they're biting through at the same what like 10 piranhas biting in different spots is gonna take the same amount of time to get through as one piranha biting in one spot and the only difference is the fact that the megalodon can't reach all of them i would say that there would be some piranhas that break through you know because the Megalodon would not be able to just kill all of them before the friction gets through and they're able to bite. But in order for all of the piranhas to be able to swarm for that long, that would require the Megalodon to just not move for a while. And that wouldn't happen with the force and the blood frenzy. Not to mention with the amount of Megalodon, uh, of piranhas, it could literally just open its mouth and instantly get food, putting it in that mode. So I would say that there, it would be a close fight. I'm not saying that it's a shoo-in for a Megalodon. But I would say that the piranhas would not be able to take a megalodon down with only a hundred thousand or only normal piranhas. If it was like, let's say, like, uh, like a million piranhas, there would be no question, right? That, but like a hundred thousand, even though it's an immense amount, it would still be a battle for them, an uphill battle for them to try to take down a megalodon. Yeah, 
You know, I think we've exhausted this question. Let's just agree to disagree, okay? <laughs> sure, you know, that works. So, I've got another topic for you. Picasso actually drew a lot of fish, like a lot of fish. But the thing that makes it strange is he drew them either attractive to violent to peaceful. He drew them in radically different themes. Why do you think he did that? Are fish just, you know, have a big spectrum of feelings or something? Um, let's just take this one. I mean, I think fish just have lots of different emotions, and I think he wanted to capture that accurately. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason why is because there are different types of fish, from, like, aggressive ones like sharks to, like, peaceful ones like goldfish. That's kind of racist. Why do you think that? I'm just saying that they have different, uh... A lot of sharks are not aggressive, like nurse sharks. They're pretty nice. Oh, that's true. Yeah, my bad. My bad. Hammerheads are mean, though. Anyone got any more historical fish questions? Nope. All right. Well, I mean, I think that's a good wrap for uh, for this episode, right? We we covered a lot of ground here. How, what time are we at? Uh, we're at around 50 minutes. Okay, that's great. Then uh, this is an amazing first episode. I would just like to say I don't think I've been happier in my life. You know, my entire life has been it's been it's been great for me. You know, I've had a great environment, great people, amazing gold that I was able to achieve and continue to achieve. But now that I'm finally here talking about what I'm passionate about, it, it really feels like I'm about to finally make a difference. Hey guys, am, am I too late? Am I too late? Hey guys, it's, it's me, uh, Dr. Blobfish. Am, am I here? Am I, am I too late for my interview? Dr. Blobfish, uh, what's up? Hey, it's me, Dr. Blobfish. Oh, man. You got any questions for me? Any fish questions? Sorry, I'm uh, a bit late. How did you become a doctor? Oh, I'm actually a doctor in psychology. And, you know, I'm actually a really good actor. And, you know, I actually, more and more, I learned about people's feelings. I just, you know, psychology seemed like a good field to go in. So, uh, is, is the podcast uh, still going on? or uh... We were just wrapping up Dr. Blobfish. Uh, maybe we could continue this on the next episode? Alright, well, I'm just going to walk away. Well, hey, no, but I would like to say that I've heard of your work and you've done phenomenal things. So, just uh, thank you for all your work. We would love to see you next episode. Thanks. Uh, curing depression was just the first, first step <laughs> in my career. I, I I am confident in your ability to completely eradicate mental illness. All right, well, see ya. All right, oh, wait, bye. Wait, 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 wait. I got you on my new pet project. That's what I... Um, I actually cured Alzheimer's. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I met this... Uh, my new patient, Esmeralda. You guys want to talk to her? I mean, yeah, sure. That sounds amazing. Hey, Esmeralda. How's it going? Hey, hey it's me, Esmeralda. I um I don't I don't have dementia anymore. Everyone clap it up. Everyone clap it up for Esmeralda. You know now that now my memory's coming back to me. You guys seem pretty familiar. I feel like I I I remember you from somewhere. I feel like we have we have we met? No, no, oh, crap! I got tinker my formula or something. <laughs> oh oh, there's this here. Oh, never mind. Don't no, oh now I'm good now. Sorry, I was a. A weird moment for a second, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to go be really good friends with my sister, who's just as attractive as me. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> wow, what an, what an interesting young lady. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, I think that's a wrap for this episode, guys.
Hey, guys, do you see that, uh, that clown and that soup robot and that cod over there? <laughs> yeah, wait, what? Is it, is it Halloween today? Like, what's, what are they dressed as? Is it cosplay? Well, I don't know, on the account that I am being shot right now. <laughs> wait, what bitch like, no. <laughs> Please, please. God, you gotta help me, man, what the fuck? I don't wanna die! No, I don't wanna die! No, bitch, like, you're fine, no, you're fine, just... Hold, hold on, wait. Oh my god, Legs, I'm, not used to this. I'm not used to murder! Legs fish, go for the megalodons! Legs fish? Yeah, what's up? <laughs> go, call an ambulance! Go and call somebody! Wee woo, wee woo, wee woo, it's me, the ambulance! Wee woo, son, wee woo, son, wee are you woo. okay? Son, are you okay? What the hell? What the hell is going on? What the hell? Dr. Blumpfish, what the fuck just happened? Who just. Who How are these guys so fine with murder? What the hell? <laughs> Why don't you just come on their fish podcast and just kill us? Kill our host? Oh this is so fucked! This is so fucked! Oh my oh god! My. No, he, we, we gotta get into a hospital. Maybe they can do something. Maybe they can do something. Oh god. Oh god. <laughs> Legs fish, wait, I think that. I, I think the bullets. I think the gun's aiming towards you right now, Legs fish. Look, dodge, man! Don't die! Oh shit, we gotta get out of here! We gotta get out! I don't think I can do this, guys! No! No, Dr. Blomfish, you gotta keep going to kill the gaming on us! Why is the Mr. Crab sound effect so fucking loud now? Oh god! God, you gotta run! No, I'm killing you! You've got potential, Dr. man! I've seen your fish research! Dr. Dr. Blomfish, I can't leave you behind. I can't let these animals get to you. Let's go. Sorry, man. I'll kill you. No. Fuck, no. Okay, Dr. Blomfish, I'll make sure Esmeralda continues your research, alright? Here's my, here's my research, man. I was so close to curing anxiety. <laughs> no. Fuck. Dr. Blomfish, okay, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta go. They fucking killed everybody. <laughs> Who are these people? Hey guys, it's me, Carrie the Clown. Don't forget to follow us on social media at the underscore Godpass. <laughs> See you guys later.